welcome everybody. My name is Dennis Solares here hanging out with my great friend, Mr. Actually, Dr. Tim Gilmore in the house. Hello, everybody. Um, it's my pleasure. Dennis, I haven't seen you in a while uh, since your wedding, actually. That's right. And uh, it's good to be able to get together again. I know this pandemic is, uh, they're opening things up. And so we just decided to get together and and um, talk a little bit about things that are going on in the world. We've been talking about this, right? We've been talking that we're going to, that we've been wanting to start this podcast because I feel, um, we both feel that we have, um, I don't know, it's just, it's a necessity maybe to go in and share some of these stories and um, I don't know, what do you think? Well, the thing of it is, I noticed that we all have similarities and things that we go through in life and I think this pandemic has gave, given uh, people an opportunity to really look at themselves and to understand that each situation in life is not unique. In some ways, there are similarities in the things we go through. Trying to stay in a relationship, trying to foster a relationship with our children, our spouse, our girlfriend, trying to manage our emotions. You know, you hear all of this different news on the television, the radio. And so people are really getting the opportunity to say, hey, where do I fit in in all of this? That's true. Um, it's been tough, I think, for everybody. What do you think has been the most, what do you think is the most, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A challenging uh, situation or thing that happened during the pandemic for people? I think emotional awareness. Emotional intelligence is what they really call it. But uh, awareness of themselves and where they're at and uh, being able to uh, decrease these triggers and anxiety. I get a lot of people that are calling me because they don't know how to manage their anxiety. People are depressed and it's just bothering them because they don't understand the options that they have. Now, you, you said that you got people calling you. Um, you want to talk a little bit just about the kind of work you do? Well, I, I have, a, I'm counseling a life coach and um, developing this practice that I have. And I work with couples. I work uh, with individuals from all walks of life and all ranges of uh, mental health issues. And so what I found is uh, people being together in the home because of this COVID virus and not being able to do what they normally do, go to work, uh, socialize at work, uh, sit in traffic, and then come home and eat and get in the bed, they're forced now to talk to their mate, um, talk about budgets, talk about finances, talk about things that have been difficult to talk about in the past where people have escaped uh, these different subjects. I heard there was a lot of, uh, there was an increase in domestic violence during these times. Tremendous increase in domestic violence and even violence towards children yeah, you know it was it was kind of a joke at first uh where parents were saying wow i realize my children are not the saints that i thought they were they're not the angels that i thought they were and that they do do things uh that would upset me and trigger me and make me mad and so by me not having to deal with it on a daily, hourly basis, you know, the school was the uh, one that was really dealing with the brunt of these bad behaviors. You think people are just whooping their kids more? Yeah, they're whooping them more. Absolutely. Because they're, they're getting frustrated, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and then the thing about it is even homicide with children are going up. You have all of these uh, people that are just at their wits end and they don't know where to go get help. That's the thing. Because with this lockdown, 
it kind of alienated people from the resources that they normally would come in contact with because people closed down, people were trying to uh, stay yeah. away from others so they wouldn't get sick and die. You think people are going to... You think that what do you think is going to be some of the secondary effects once things kind of go back to normal what are we going to see you think well you have a lot of children that have had to move because you know their parents have lost their jobs couldn't afford to stay or pay the rent where they were at uh, homeless levels on all uh, the children uh, the geriatric the older uh, people and uh, families have all risen. So you're going to see the after effect of people and children that are unable to deal emotionally as they're being put back into schools, as they're being asked to work on jobs. You're going to see the emotional residue of the pandemic of not having the resources available during that period of time. Wow. Now, we have, been, we have been talking some time because we, we felt it was necessary for us to kind of gather in the setting and, and record this in a podcast. But the reason why we thought it was necessary is because, you know, I'll share some of um, the experience we both had. I, I actually reached out to Tim. We actually known each other for quite some time. And, and then during that time, uh, Tim has been an active uh, friendship and also uh, mentor and, and, and um, coach in my life as well too so he's helped me out with a lot of situations that I didn't understand as a man and I think that was one of the major things is I learned more right as I, I learned more of those things I, I was thinking about how much I wish that other people would have the same opportunity so we can't have Tim be with everybody but we can definitely record him and then hopefully some of the stuff that he's able to share here uh, is able to land with people and also hopefully some of the experiences that I've been through can help other people you know know that they're not alone in this absolutely absolutely and, and to be honest with you Dennis I learned from someone who mentored me and so this has been a life lesson that I've been happily uh, happy to pass on uh, not only experiencing it myself but you know through my studies understanding more of the psychological ramifications to uh deficits that we have in our behavior our belief system and our attitude and all of these things go together i think i just found out the name of the podcast by the way what's that steel sharpens steel wow that's powerful <laughs> well, that's what you always say like, every time yeah. we talk you tell me like steel yeah. sharpens steel so i think that's gonna be you know men of integrity that's the thing Oof. men of integrity that's how do big. we carry ourselves how do we look at ourselves you know, are we able to take what we know and give it away freely to those that don't have that understanding and not to criticize those that are not at the developmental level that some of us are? Yeah, it's huge because the thing is, I, I think a lot of people, it doesn't matter age, there's people who are in their 60s, 70s dealing with emotional uh, baggage that they've had since they were kids, but they've never had the right resources, or maybe I don't know, many different uh, re reasons why somebody hasn't reached maybe their full potential um, emotionally, and also being able to heal some of those things they, they they they're walking through life with, right? So I know that this is not just like a like a young thing. This is like people in all ages and all phases of their life are dealing with this kinds of like situations. Absolutely. You know the thing about it is, we all are socialized in different ways. We can say, okay, culturally I'm this, or I'm that race or ethnicity, but even in all of that, we have people from different socioeconomic uh, backgrounds, and then we have different people that are looking at life differently. And so we have people that are, like you said, uh, older and have not had an outlet in order to be able to fix or to attain that developmental level that they need to. And they know that there's a deficit. They understand that there's a need for something inside of them to be, you know, corrected or adjusted, but they just don't know how. Yeah. I, I joined this group recently and it's uh, ACA, mm -hmm. Adult Children of Alcoholics. Um, it's oh, just wow. a 12, I'm doing, it's like a 12-step program. And I'm doing this because... Um, 
I, I, you know, recently got married. You actually officiated our wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, you're now officially uh, an officiator, right? Like officially an officiator. Yes, I'm ordained. <laughs> ordained. There Absolutely. You go. You're gonna hear a lot of lingo from me that's like still not there, but. I'm but that's all right. We I'm know what we're talking about. <laughs> that's still the hood in me a little bit, but it's all good. Yeah. Um. But um. But yeah, we got married with uh, my wife uh, in November, and it's been a great experience. But uh, I started noticing that there's a lot of a lot of uh, uh, behaviors that I still have okay. that are gonna really um, that can potentially break up my marriage if I don't if I don't you know do something about it. So I we've had long conversations about you know uh, what a man is, what is his role in, in life is, and. So I've applied a lot of those things, but I, and the reason why I joined, I think I joined this group is because I felt that it was necessary for me to look even further because I have understanding of it, but that was one thing, I believe it's one thing to understand and another one to practice, right? Well, yes, you being a uh, professor of uh, mathematics, you understand that you can look at a problem and understand how to work it but if you don't understand the concepts involved in solving the problem then it just makes it that much harder when the test comes so you know these it's the same thing in life when you're talking about maturity manhood uh, understanding where you need to be and you relate that to the people that you talk to and you see that oh, my conversation, I can't talk in this group or I'm not accepted in this other group or I don't feel comfortable in such another group. And it's all because of where we're at and the deficits that we either perceive or not able to look at in an honest and honestly, you know what I mean? I remember one time we had a conversation and, and um we were having uh, the conversation we were having was regarding in regards to parents and there's a lot of a lot of conversation that I think many people need to have with their parents that they feel like they're not ready for or because of culture they feel they cannot do it they cannot have those type of conversations and I remember you once once telling me that when you tell the truth some people are possibly not going to be ready for the truth and so you gotta be wise as to how you kind of dish that out because it's the the uh, metaphor you use is kind of like the watermelon. Like you, you're trying to feed somebody watermelon, but you're trying to feed a whole watermelon down their throat, right? Like that's impossible. You can't physically do that to someone. So it's kind of like trying to shove the truth down somebody's throat. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna have to be where you cut that watermelon up into little pieces, and you're gonna have to allow the person to also allow it uh, to come in as well, too, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, the truth is what it is. And that's it, the truth. And facts and the truth, a lot of times people get confused. A fact, sure, uh, maybe a person shows signs of having cancer or maybe uh, blood issues or whatever. But the truth is there is a solution to that uh, disease or that melody or whatever's going on with that person. So the truth, we have to look beyond the facts, beyond feelings, and we have to be able to extract the truth as it needs to be applied in our lives. That's true. Yeah. You know, and one of the topics that I think was uh, maybe uh, uh, good for us to start off with is, is the topic of trust. And I've recently, you know, as part of that group and part of the conversations that we've had, mm-hmm. I've uh, been speaking to you in regards to trust. And more than ever recently, I began to really understand my lack of trust for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I had trust at one point, but I think my experiences have let me, you know, it's interesting speaking to my wife. One thing that I didn't know I had is I was angry at all women. Oh, and, that's and some, then how did you come to find that out? Um, because of trust, because I, I think growing up, um, uh, I, you know, when, it, when you look at both sides of the house, men and women, mm-hmm. I was abused as a kid. Um, both sexually and physically. And that was done by males in my life, right? Right. And then on the female side, I felt like there was abandonment that happened for my mother and, and other mother, motherly figures I had in the road. Sure. And so I really felt like those things kind of um, shaped the way I trusted people. So when it came down to like human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And I look at the two, you know, at the two sides, males and females. 
I didn't trust males because males did the worst thing that could happen to me, right? So it was like automatically males became. And the thing is, my father wasn't present, so it was almost like this abandonment from abandonment from him. And then the ones that were supposed to take care of me abused me. Right. So then males were, were out of the picture. Like, I can't trust males. Right. So the best thing to trust or the best, you know, species to trust was females. And then through females, I, I felt a lot of uh, abandonment. Mm. And so when I grew up, it was, I just really didn't trust anybody. Wow. And so that was difficult. Uh, yes. That was, that, I think that was, I mean, I didn't understand it until now, though. I think that was just like a mechanism that I that I used to like survive. And see, that's the thing about what we're talking about. The the main crux of trust is that we learn to compromise our feelings, and we learn not to trust instead of running to trust or trying to trust. Once we're betrayed, humiliated let down, not protected, like you said in your case, then we go in the opposite direction and then we compromise our feelings to a, a point where we really miss out in life on certain situations that can help promote us, uh, help foster relationships. And it's, it's, it's very common. Well, yeah, I grew up my whole life, I think. I think as a, as a male... One of the biggest things for me, oh man, this podcast is here. I can't believe it. Like I, I know my experience with growing up um, with those kinds of traumas. I, I remember being in my eight, in my teens, mm-hmm. and and doubting my sexuality, for example. Okay. Like I didn't know if I was gay. I didn't, you know. And and for a 16, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old boy that really doesn't have anybody to check in with, that was so difficult for me because. Urges wise, it's like I love women. Like I was always looking for women, but my mind was always like, "But you're supposed to be with a man because that was your first sexual interaction was with a male." So I was really confused, and that really, really—I mean, for I think for years, I got I, I became violent because of it. Because anybody who would come around me and say something like, "Oh, you're not mad enough, man. You're not mad enough," or you know, right. if I'm in the, in the basketball court playing a game and somebody makes a reference to me that I'm not man enough, you're not hard enough. Like it was automatic, like, like, you know, into attack mode or, you know. Sure. And they didn't know your background or your circumstances, what you'd been through. So they didn't know that was a trigger. Right. And they're talking to you like, hey, come on, step it up so we can win the game. Right. And, and it's hitting you, piercing your heart because this is something you've experienced. Right. And you can't just go out and, and talk to any and everybody because you don't want to be typecast. Right. Yeah, I, man, that's hard. That that's was hard. That, and then these are what we call secrets, mm-hmm. where people hold these secrets and they hold on to them because they have no person to trust to release these secrets through mm-hmm. and to be able to start the process of healing. Yeah, I think for, especially for men, for men, you know, the stigma that we have in the world of who we were supposed to be, mm-hmm. if you automatically have an experience where it was the other way around, like it was with a male, you're not going to share that with anybody because the culture or what you think the culture or the society uh, deems correct is, is maybe for you not to say those things because number one, it... You, I, I, you know, it's funny. It's like I have family members that when this came out, uh, the first thing that can, they, they told me were uh-uh, like, Shh, like, you don't talk about that. Yeah. You, you, you said it this one time and never again. Like, like right. the culture is always trying. It's very taboo. So you have to hide it. Even if, if you're not in the wrong and you're trying to find justice or whatever. No, no, you don't talk about those things. Right. And that's and imagine like, so I know that I'm not the only person that has gone through this and that has faced those kind of, uh, you know, um, crushing factors from people to tell them like, oh, you know, like you're the one that's wrong or you can't talk about this. You know, like it, it's very uh, debilitating, I think, for people. In Absolutely. And you know, the sad part about it, Dennis, you went and got help and you were willing to trust yourself enough to be able to start the healing process but there are so many people that are crippled by the experiences of being uh, just vilified, being uh, 
objectified and Rejected all of these other yes oh my goodness yes you're broken absolutely Throw you away. right yeah and 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 it gets beyond a level of being able to process it and people feel like this is just the way I'm going to go through my life and this is a deficit they understand it that it's a deficit but they don't understand how to get out of that deficit one thing I do realize, I mean, I'm speaking about this openly now, right? I'm recording about this. And sure. I want everybody to know that the reason why I am, I guess, so comfortable with this is because I've, I've processed it. I've, yeah. I've done a lot of work towards it. And one thing I do tell you, I wish that it was faster. Yeah. I wish that, I mean, these acts happen so fast that I wish the healing was as fast as the act. Right. But the acts are really fast. And then you end up with like years worth of kind of like the root recoup work you know and sure. that in a way made me a lot very angry i think because it's like it's not fair you know absolutely it's not fair but the thing of it is is that you've got guilt you've got shame all of these different negative emotions to go through and to work through and a lot of times the perpetrator's nowhere around and you have to navigate or try to navigate through all of this it's it's just it leaves a lot of people scarred permanently scarred but i'm so happy that you dennis are healing and to the point of where you're able to talk about this and to reach out and help others i really because, hope so yeah oh you've got to be because it's you know just talking to you as you've gone down this journey to uh, healing, I've seen you just become stronger, stronger in you. And as you become stronger, you become stronger as a leader, as a voice of change, as an advocate, as a person that's positive and saying, yes, okay, something humiliating and debilitating did happen to an individual but there is a solution and you have to work at it you do have to work at it though you i think that one thing that that saved me tim is that and i think everybody has this mm -hmm. and, and it's just a matter of tuning into it i think what saved me is the power to want to be happy yes the power to not not feel this anymore and i have fears i have plenty of fears that that, that will tell me like you're never going to get better yeah, because I've been doing this for so long right. that it wasn't getting better. And so, yeah, it's easy to believe I'm broken for life. And so I think I think through all the work we've done and, and in addition to this, like all the stuff that I'm doing with this group, for example, it's allowed me to see that, that there is change. Um, I'm married now, you know, um, I have a beautiful, a beautiful daughter where you're creating a home. This is, these are things that I never thought yeah. were going to happen to me. You know, I, I never thought I was going to have these blessings in my life. Yes. So I, I think if you have the belief inside of you th that you want to be happy, because see, part of the problem is that we don't think we deserve happiness. Oh, right. Yes. That's huge. Like we do not think that we are worthy of love. We're not worthy of, you know, people appreciating us, helping us. It's and you know what, Dennis, what you think about, you bring about. That's right. Yeah, that's why that's why I think it was important for me to tune into this one place that said I I need help. But you know what? To be honest with you, I I, I am a I'm a huge believer in a higher power. Sure. And, and so I think that the, here's one thing I learned about the higher power in this process is that the higher power is very, very subtle in the way it speaks to us. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes very loud, but I think the majority of the time, like there's a, a, a continuous hum that we have around us at all times that mm -hmm. where the higher power is speaking through us. Absolutely. And so the, the problem is that when we're so busy, see, see, a person like me with those kinds of traumas, mm -hmm. I I then drown those traumas with, you know, either smoking, drinking or any kind of drugs. Right. Like, yeah. But in addition to that, you can become a workaholic, for example. Sure. Or you're always busy or you have kids and then you just dedicate your life just completely to your kids. Right. Sure. And so then what happens is you never address yourself because you're so busy addressing everything else. Right. Yes. So I, I, I think that um, if you don't find it within yourself, you're going to find everything else to be busy and not find a hum within yourself mm -hmm. because the hum is within you. Like, like, I believe that the higher power wants to see us all happy, right? It wants to see us fulfilled. It wants, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a love thing, right? Sure. 
And so if you don't work at it, it's it's almost like you're ignoring these messages that are there because of all this extra stuff that you're thinking, you know, like, for example, like I said, not worth it, not deserving, blah, blah, blah. You know? So you're saying we have a responsibility in our healing. I think that the only way to heal is through response. Yeah, being responsible for yourself. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. So it's not like taking a vitamin pill and, hey, okay, boom, I have muscles or I'm healed. No, exactly, yeah. It's kind of, you know, it, one, one thing that was huge that we spoke about is I, I needed to heal some stuff with my parents, for example, right? Mm. And so you, I remember you telling me, like, Dennis, what that's going to be for you to do because your parents are not going to do it for you. Like, I was waiting for, you know, my parents to come to me and say, look, son, when, you know, when you were, you know, when this happened, I'm sorry that that happened. I wish it wouldn't have happened. Or when when I did this, you know, I, you know, it was just because I was stressed out and blah, blah, blah. Like, to have some kind of explanation to tell me I love you, it, it wasn't personal, right? right? So we're kind of waiting around to, to hear it because they're the adults. Right. So we're waiting for them to react and say, I get it now. But one thing that we, you know, while uh, through speaking with you, I learned is like, no, actually, they're not going to come to us. So we actually have the responsibility to free ourselves, number one. And in the process of freeing ourselves, we actually free our parents. Right. Because as we grow stronger in our healing and as we understand that this thing of life is bigger than us individually, then we're able to help metaphorically pull our parents out of the ditch, out of the residue of their individual problems. And, and, and they will be happier. Yeah. They and they'll thank happier. you for it. And so it's happy. a reciprocal. But you don't think that that's what's going to happen. You think that it's actually going to go the opposite way. Yes. Like, you're going to hate you and why would... Because culture, for example, in my case, culture and me was like, you, it, it's like embedded to us through like God. Like, mm -hmm. if you disrespect your parents, God will be mad at you. Right. If you speak up, you know, if it's this thing where, like, our parents are literally on a pedestal. Yeah. And we cannot bring them down. And if we even try to have an opinion against that, then we're completely sinners. Like, we're going to go to hell. Like, that's... Right. That was, I remember, like, having those kinds of thoughts as a kid. Because that's what the culture, that's what the religion, a lot of these, <clears> like, <throat> like practicing, or a lot of these, uh, what can we call these... Uh, they're like uh, pillars in people's lives, right? Sure. And they put, the, and the, the thing about it is, like you said, uh, a lot of this has to do uh, with layers on top of layers of guilt and shame and all these other things because people don't get a chance to really have others look at them and help them heal because it's like you said this cultural you know being placed on the pillar you know my word is is the word and uh, you got a lot of just residue from parents that don't know uh, fully what to do and are not willing to reach out and so a lot of their issues are passed on like you said to you and then you are the taking the whole brunt of their issues, and uh, you're supposed to take it. Yeah, you're not supposed to like even complain about it. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. And, and you know what? Do what is? I say, not a, what I do. Right. Yeah. Right. And like, don't drink when you're older, and then like they're taking shots at the same time when they're saying that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Similar situation. But but God's good, and um. And I think this is, you know, when we, when we begin this podcast today, you know, we're talking about uh, topics and, and we knew that this had to be a topic for us to trust. And, and the stem, for example, in, in me, I didn't trust. Right. And to this day, I'm still working on trust. And this is going to be I think this is going to be an ongoing work for me. Right. Like, I, I don't think this is ever going to. And, and I'm OK with that. I, I, I used to like because see, my thing is I wanted to fix it now. Yes. And so it's really hard to accept that you're going to work on this forever for the rest of your life. Right. When you want to fix now, you know? Yeah. I think that I'm beginning to make that transition to, okay, it's okay. This is, this is my new me. Yes. And the thing about it is you didn't turn into anyone else. All you did was make adjustments to be able to be the best dentist that there is. And that's it. And so you understanding yourself and you allowing yourself to trust yourself gives free range to your family, your wife, everyone. And, and it's a beautiful thing because it allows them to understand that you are always seeking to be the best that you can be. 
as you continually lead them and guide them, you know, throughout their life journey. You know, it's one thought that I had recently, I shared this with you too, is, is I'm beginning to feel, get the sensation that I am deserving. And that's new for mm. me. That's new for me. Like, like I was, um, like my daughter was giving me all these kisses and all these things. And like, like I'm so accepting of all these things. And for my wife, for example, like just the fact that I have my wife that I have friends like you, that I have the job that I have, that I'm involved with the projects that I want to be involved. I don't, I don't, I, I still do this kind of, but, but I'm beginning to, to, as opposed to being like, oh my God, I, I don't deserve this, right? Like, why would I be involved in this? Why would I have this person love me? I don't get it. Sure. I'm beginning to have this other, other version of me that goes, this is so good. I do deserve this. Yeah. That's huge. Like, I, like to be able to have that thought and to like, validate myself like that like that's that that's never happened before that's 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 new well that's you know the thing about it is dennis it's so common and i felt the same way too and the thing about it is we compare ourselves there's a term called social comparison and we look at you know uh, uh different other people movie stars you know uh famous athletes and that type of thing and you know, you always look at people in society, I earned a bachelor's degree, or I earned the right to be mayor, or I did this or that, but I earned it. And so we look in, in, in internally at ourselves, and we go like, but I'm just someone walking the face of the earth. I mean, why do I deserve to be treated any different than anybody else? And it's kind of like that herd mentality, you know, just get in line and shut up and put your hands in your pocket. But what it is really is that you are the one that determines your fate. You are the one that determines how far in the future you decide to go. And then beyond that, how you help other people realize where they are and where they need to go. Yeah, I, I realize that this is going to be probably the most difficult project that I had mm-hmm. I have I, I'm always involved in projects and I'm one of those dudes that like I get involved in a project and I get I get sucked into it like I will I get unhealthy trying to finish the project you know like that's just my my uh, and maybe it comes from all these things as well too like you know it's a mechanism of defense somehow but that's who I am and so when it came down to this project like myself it's crazy right like myself it's hard to look at yourself as a project you know what I mean like it's, yeah. it's not easy to be like okay I'm going to take this dude that I see in front of me in his mirror right now and I'm going to make him into a better version of himself. Wow. Like, like you don't think, like, we are a project. And the thing is, like, nobody else is going to... Here's another thing. I was always looking for someone to fix me. Mm. So the women that I dated, uh, the, people, yes. the people that I met, it was always, like, with the interest of, like, they're the ones that are going to give me the answer. They're the ones that are going to be able to fix me. They're the ones that are going to be able to help me with this. Wow. See, and, 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 and I tell you something, all of the, the majority of those people who I met and I try to have relationships, like I'm not, I'm, I'm not, yeah, we're not, we're not, you know, together anymore. We're not friends anymore right. because eventually, see, I started off the relationship in a negative way where I was already having an expectation of them. Ooh. And so at some point, what ended up happening is that those expectations surfaced, right? Yes. And when they weren't doing what I wanted them to do, then it wasn't a good friendship anymore. It wasn't a good relationship anymore. Got it. So now what's happening is that I don't make anybody responsible for my growth. Like, it's all me. And I, that's hard, you know, because it, it puts all the work back on me, right? Right. So you, what you're saying is if there is a big mirror, you have it and you look in the mirror on a daily basis to find out what adjustments you need to make. Yes. Mm. But, you, but you need to have tools, that's like like you have to first of all you have to want it right mm-hmm. i think you have to want it because if you don't if you don't want it then it's like an alcoholic right like you're never gonna be a sober person unless unless you hit either rock bottom right or you want it to really have a change because your life is going the wrong way so you're saying to me that you can't force change on a person i don't think so mm. i don't think so well you you know what you're kind of right and now that i think about it because they've talked about, uh, you know, different uh, diseases. I remember when AIDS first came out, they, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And people uh, were afraid at first, but it didn't stop their behavior. 
That's right. And AIDS is still spreading today. Yeah. So I, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, it's a choice. It's a decision that you, a lifelong decision. Yes. And I think that's what's hard because it mm. is a lifelong decision. And I don't think, I think people are either trying to get fixed now, right? Like, like if, if, I'm, if I am going to do this work, it has to be like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to give up three hours in one day. Right. One day only. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, no, this is literally like it has to be on a, on a daily basis. Um, and, and it depends on, you know, it's individual as well, too. Like, like for me, for example, I had a big, uh, my traumas came from the abuse. Traumas came from neglect. Not neglect, for like uh, abandonment, right? Mm-hmm. But as I grew older, I stacked up more traumas on top of that because the behaviors that I had originally created more turmoil in my life. Right. You know what I mean? So I started doing things that created even more problems for me. So then when I started, for example, because of those situations when I was young, the abandonment issues, the abuse issues, I found women that had similar issues to me. Mm. Like you said, like I called them upon me in a way, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I was them facing myself. But as opposed to be working on myself, I was trying to work on the other person, you know? Because it's, it's, it's always easier to point the finger away from you instead of at yourself. Right, right. And so here you are trying to fix someone else and uh, believing in, in you that you had the tools to do it. And, and knowing all along that your motives and the ultimate outcome was not going to be good no, for either selfish. one of you. They, they were selfish for my part. Too. Right. And nobody wanted to be exposed. No. Mm, as being hurt, being traumatized, as being abandoned, mm-hmm. as, as, as her team. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then the thing uh, that I'm hearing and the thing that I see a lot is... How do you stop the hemorrhaging? How do you stop the pain? I think pain is addicting, by the way. Mm. I think that I think that in so many ways, I I think pain is like a drug. I think that when you feel pain mm-hmm. and you feel it consistently, and you know what that feeling is, I think it's like a drug. I think that you want not that you want to feel it, but when you do feel it, it's like this home sensation. Yeah. And then also, you're absolutely right. And then there's another word that I want to interject called habituation. You know, where pain is, I, I, I'm dealing with uh, several parents with their children, and their children, they, they beat them, they, they discipline them physically, uh, which is not a good thing. But the, the child that refuses to acknowledge that it hurts, that it's painful. You know what I mean? Or they've had it happen to them so much that they feel like, hey, you rather beat me than to listen to me or really give me a voice and allow me a platform to speak how I feel. And so this child just becomes numb to this physical uh, violence that goes on to the point where I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of allowing you see me cry or knowing that you hurt me. Mm-hmm. But then you take that, that what happened to those kids, right? As kids. Now fast forward, like when they're uh, adults. Mm-hmm. And now what happens is now they have a um, a program in their heads and their feelings and their emotions that they mm-hmm. have to be abused. And so then that's what I'm talking about, the addiction, because then when they're older, we almost look for these same emotions. And that's what I'm talking about, addiction, because then when when it does happen, when we're older and it does happen, then what happens is that we feel like it's home. Right. And then, I mean, it goes on and you have people that get together in relationships, knowing that the way they communicate to each other is going to provoke one to start hitting or mm-hmm. physically abusing or, you know, verbally abusing the other. And they're in this relationship and this some of these relationships go on for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, until yeah. somebody dies or gets hurt. And that's the thing, yeah. I, I was in a very tough relationship and yeah, I, I've had a lot of processing to do with that relationship. But yeah, that's exactly what happened. You know, we and, and again, it's, it wasn't neither one of us are faults, but but the thing is, somebody has to take responsibility, right? Even though it's not our faults, right? Because that's the truth. It was unfairness to. We're just at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of 
hurt kids. That's it. Bunch of kids who That's are it. hurt and who are now living that hurt through their adult lives. And so, exactly. Yeah. It's a, and they don't want to experience it. But what other outlet do they have? What other platform? Who's going to listen to them? So what do you think? And I mean, who cares? Uh, what do you What do you think? I mean, a person like that, for example. Uh, I mean, I, I feel I'm blessed, right? I, I was I not not only did I have the will, or I found the will in a way, but also I found the right people in the process. What do you think about people who 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 are listening to this, for example, and go, "That's me," and I and I, where do I go? You have to reach out for help. Uh, you have to pay attention, like I talked about emotional intelligence, meaning. You have to be able to look at your environment, seek out your environment, the help that you need. I mean, there's people that they can contact us and uh, get some help, but there's help available and you always have options. You do not have to settle. You do not have to compromise. You do not have to endure. There is nothing or no one that is worth your feeling bad or feeling depressed or anxious or or feeling horrible about yourself. There's no one worth it. So you have to be able to do your part to reach out. Pay attention to who's around you because there are people that do care. And you seek those people out by trusting yourself. And get the help that you need. And don't stop until you do. Because there is another side of the coin, of the situation. It's not just doom and gloom. And none of us were born to be doormats, to be walked on, to be abused, stepped on, to, to have someone put their hands on us, or even call us out of our name, or are ridiculous. There's no one that has that right to treat another human being that way. That's right. That's right. One of the biggest things that I've learned through this process is that when you have a higher power that loves you, that you've created that in in your heart and your you know mind and soul. Yes. And you have a higher power that actually loves you. Because see, I didn't I didn't grow up with a higher power that loved me. I grew up with a higher power that judged me. Yes. It was like you know you know if I do this I'm a sinner. It was never like it was my teachings were always like if you do this, you're sinning. If you do that, you're sinning. If you do that, it's you're sinning. It was never like in the process in the middle of that was like but he loves you. But yeah. The, the higher power you're unique you are beautiful you are loved like I never heard those words when I was a child right and so no wonder many people grew up with with bad experiences with a higher power because the, it's so ritual absolutely it, I mean for me it was always like somebody got a, getting a hammer and you know how you step on an ant or with your foot or something that's where I always felt like oh if I do something you know, I, I've got, I'm going to be smashed to pieces or mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm undeserving. I'm just a worm. I'm just a dog. Mm-hmm. And um, all I can expect are the scraps in life. And why does this person that I see in the magazine, how come they're successful? Why couldn't it be me? You know, even to the point where, you know, like, man, uh, you know, the color of my skin. Uh, why, why, why does that have to hold me back? But, you know, the thing of it is, is that we have to have some type of spiritual, uh, when you talk about higher power, we have to have some type of spiritual foundation, mm-hmm. something other than ourselves, Just outside us. of yeah. ourselves to believe in. It has to be something bigger. Exactly. Because I didn't create myself. Right. I don't get up in the morning. I would have been uh, a lot taller <laughs> and, uh, and I would have some hair. I would be handsome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wouldn't have to work. So... You know, but uh, unfortunately, I had nothing to do with, you know, I wrote in my Facebook uh, business section, I wrote this statement. I said, one day I arrived on this earth and I asked, why me? You know, so when I got here, I was here. So I didn't get all of what I needed. And this is not a pity party, it's just the truth. And so I've had people 
along the way that have reached out to me. And as I've healed, then I've been able to reach out to others to ask for help. I, I think, yes. And one of the things that I, I truly believe on is if you allow something bigger than you to help you in your life, mm-hmm. then that thing that's bigger than you, which in my case, I call it God, right? Yes. It's going to put the opportunities that you need in front of you. Every time. So when you, you know, it's just a matter of the mindset. If you want to heal, the moment you start looking for heal, healness or for, for, you know, for whatever it is that you're looking for. Yeah. Then the suddenness that I was speaking about earlier on will, will be there still telling you how to, how to navigate in the opportunities or the omens, they call them too will present themselves in front of you so you can take the direct so in other words what i'm trying to say is that don't worry so much about what's going to happen when you when you when you make an effort to try to to try to find help because the biggest fear is that you're not going to find it i think one of the reasons why yes. people don't look for help is because what if it doesn't work yes you know and now i open myself up and, right. and people now know about this but right. i can guarantee you from my experience i can only speak for my behalf is that when you do that then the world around you will be modified in a way to help you reach your healness and that's going to be done i believe only through the help of something bigger than you yes absolutely i mean this is the thing you know uh you know i've tried everything else uh outside of me i was too afraid of drugs um smoked weed a couple of times and it didn't do anything for me i got headaches and so i just said you know there's got to be something I, i just felt like i was dropped off here on earth and just make the best of it and then i saw other people's experiences and it wasn't like that so i said there's got to be something that's a little bit more uh involved in my not survival but me living and thriving and so uh i finally went back and i said hey you know what i I, i'm gonna talk to god And when I talk to God, then things start to slowly change. There was immediate change in how I felt, but outside of me, things changed a little bit slower. And as I began to embrace it and and trust it and trust myself, because I understand that I am the image of God and through my living, My living needs to be an example to others. And then I started realizing this life that I'm living is more than just me, myself, and I. This is about reaching out. This is about helping. This is about, like we call this uh, podcast, Iron Sharpening Iron. Men being able to talk uh, to each other, to be able to be the leaders in society, to be the husbands, to be the boyfriends, to be uh, the security for those that uh, they're responsible for. And as I did that and trusted myself and looked to God, then things started to become consistently better. And so all I can say to people is, try God. I mean, you know, it may sound corny. You might not believe in it. But where I was, I felt like I was in a deep well looking up and barely seeing light. And so for me, I was at a desperate point in my life when I called on God. And I tell you that things turned around for me and i'm a big believer yeah that's i i, I to add to that right mm-hmm. i think that mm-hmm. hand in hand your spiritual has to go hand in hand with your psychological yes right so and then but god will take care of that for you but the work you're gonna have to do yes right? and so, you have to be willing and, and that's part to, of the work right that's the first step you have to be willing yeah. To, to be in a position to get healed. You have to be willing to do the work, like you said, to be responsible. 
And then you have to be willing to pass what you get and you've gained on to others. Right. Because that's all part of the healing. Right. That's, yeah, helping others. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. I am so happy that we got this opportunity to sit down and... Well, I'm honored, Dennis, that you uh, kept after me. And uh, because of our friendship and who you are in my life, I said, you know what? I'm taking time out and, and I'm connecting with Dennis today. And whatever we talk about, is it's got to be good. Absolutely. I really hope that people can... Um, I really hope that that people who listen that can relate to some of this stuff. Uh, we hope that this has reached you and that you know that you're a beautiful child of God and that you deserve nothing but happiness. And I tell you this from my own experience that I am beginning to feel that I'm not there yet. I'll tell you this is something where I'm not speaking to you from a fully healed person, but I am speaking to you from a very hopeful person that has seen a lot of changes in his life because of this. And I have changed for the better. Uh, I am a happier person and I can only imagine how I'm going to look a year from now and two years from now because my direction is nothing but positive right now. And so Isn't that exciting? I'm looking for, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about a house. I'm thinking about, you know, more dogs and more kids and, wow. and, and, and then the car that I want. And I think the financial stability along with the emotional stability and, and spiritual sense, it, it, it all, it's all going to, you know. Kinda, exactly. Yeah, it's all going to come together. So... Thank you, Tim, for for being here with. Uh, what, what am I thanking you for? Wait a minute, this is our this is both our podcast. So yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'll no. see you next week. <laughs> well, I, hey, likewise, likewise, Dennis, and it was a pleasure. And uh, we're going to, and I thank your audience uh, because uh, this is a platform where we can honestly speak about not only our experiences, but. Uh, situations that go on in life that affect all of us and and ways in which we can uh, look at them differently, uh, look at them with hope and be able to find some type of intervention. That's right. Steel sharper steel. Amen. See you guys soon. All right. Well, I'll see you next week, Dennis. Ah, uh, yes. We want to thank James Longstreet for the tunes. Always bringing that good vibe. Los Angeles Producers Club, Musica del Alma, del Alma Live.